Dear wonderful people of the internet, welcome back to another episode of The Future Of here at Nordic Fintech Magazine. Today we have a really fascinating interview with Jonathan Comen Sunderbeck, Senior Business Developer at Quora. Quora is a virtual and augmented reality production studio based in Copenhagen, and we caught up with Jonathan to talk about access mechanisms to the metaverse. Now, as you know, the metaverse is currently under construction by dozens, if not hundreds of companies that are building what can be defined as the spatial web, where boundaries between the physical world and the virtual world will be blurred. In this interview, we talked about the evolution of immersive devices, how technology and wearables will continue to integrate seamlessly with our bodies, and what we can expect to happen in the next five to 10 years in relation to virtual unaugmented reality technologies. And of course, we also spoke about what this could mean for financial services. Now, in previous episodes, we have discussed how fintech and finance play a critical role in laying down the foundation for transacting within the metaverse. But in today's episode, Jonathan opens our eyes to a whole list of possibilities for metaverse applications and experiences that through the use of spatial technologies will do anything from placing customers right in the middle of virtual branches all the way to teaching us financial literacy by showing us in very real and very tangible ways the consequences that poor financial decisions could have in our life. Once again, what was once science fiction is becoming science fact. The future is very exciting indeed, but admittedly also just as scary. Jonathan, thanks so much for receiving us here in your really cool offices. Um, and uh, let's let's just start talking a little bit about Cora. Tell us what Cora is, what what you do, what's your value proposition. Yes, thank you for uh, letting me join this uh, this chat. And um, Cora is a uh, production studio that focuses primarily on virtual and augmented reality. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we've been working with these technologies for the past six years. Uh, started here in Copenhagen with a, a physical store or a VR arcade. Um, we, we were one of the first uh, in the Nordic to, to do that. Um, back then it was really a, a unique thing to, uh, to try a VR headset. Um, they were quite expensive and, and hard to, uh, to access. But um, our philosophy was that everyone could come from the street and have a free VR demo. Um, a lot have, has happened uh, the past six years, so um, now we, we still have the arcade, people still come and play VR and try VR, but we have uh, focused a lot on the, the business sector, so um, companies, uh, municipalities, uh, both public, private, uh, come here and explore uh, these technologies and see what they can do, try something hands-on, hear about how you can use it um, and yeah for the past six years we've done more than 300 unique productions within virtual reality and augmented reality so um, that's the when i say productions it's the content so everything you see inside these uh, headsets or on on smartphones we don't make the actual hardware that's uh, some of the the big um, 
suppliers who do that. Uh, but um, yeah, we have, a, 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 have built up a mixed team over the past six years um, with uh, 3D artists, uh, programmers, 360 uh, filmmakers, business developers from different sectors. So we're quite a mixed uh, group of people who, uh, who focus on this very niche technology, but we have a very wide perspective. Um, our, um, I'll just uh, keep talking about uh, yeah, yeah. Korea. Um, the main sectors that we focus on, uh, that we, we have discovered that there are some main sectors that are really um, uh, tapping into these technologies that are, um, of course, marketing and branding has been a, a big uh, sector for many years where you can use this medium as a way to communicate a message, uh, give people an experience, uh, do something unique that you can't do on regular film or a regular campaign. So, for example, we made a collaboration with the Danish company Erstel, where uh, they are promoting uh, green energy solutions, uh, wind farms and so. Um, and they wanted to give people an experience of um, how can we take better care of planet Earth. Um, so they, they uh, together with us, made a simulation where you, you, you go into space with uh, an astronaut and uh, you see the, 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 the Earth from space and you get this, what the astronauts call the overview effect. It's kind of a, I don't know if it's scientific proven, but it's something astronauts uh, explain as a feeling you get when you see Earth from space, you want to take better care of it. Right. So by doing this in a VR experience, you can simulate it uh, in a much more immersive way than, than just if, if you see it on a screen or on a normal video. So that was a very successful campaign that ran a few years ago from, uh, with Astel that has been seen all over the world, uh, 6 million people, uh, both in VR, on phones and at events. and. Um, yeah, and you can try it here as well. If yeah, you know. I'm looking um, forward to that. That's just a very good example of, of taking a, a branding or marketing uh, content to the next level. Um, I can explain some of the other uh, industries as well. Yeah, I, actually, I've, I've got some questions around <clears throat> sure. the industries. Let me just ask you before, before we go on. You talk about AR and VR. Yeah. Can you explain the difference between those two for the people that perhaps have not had the experience of putting on a headset on? Or a, sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's start with VR, mm -hmm. virtual reality. That's probably the, the most mature technology of, of, of the two. It, uh, it started around six years ago when we started. The first headsets came out. It is a, a goggle you put on uh, your face and, and inside we have some screens that can, that can uh, move as you move in real time. So we can both put um, video what we call 360 degree video inside a headset, or we can make something in a 3D environment like you make a video game. Um, the unique thing is that you feel present, you feel immersed. Uh, it's, it's like you are actually in that virtual space. Um, the, the, the hardware has uh, evolved a lot through mm -hmm. the past uh, six years. So um, today you can, you can even uh, uh, walk around in a room uh, feel that you are using your body, you can use your hands and grab things and 
Um, of course, a lot of this comes from the gaming industry that has pushed this a lot, but now we've seen a lot of um, potential in, in more uh, everyday life situations, uh, a professional use of, of simulating training exercises or um, healthcare sector using, using these tools. But, but that's VR in general, are, are mature technology now, we can do a lot um, um, on the content side, so it looks realistic, it feels realistic, it's mm -hmm. uh, fairly cheap, the hardware now. Mm -hmm. You can access uh, the newest uh, uh, Oculus Quest headset for, um, I think it's around 300 euros. Um, mm -hmm. When we started, it was uh, maybe a thousand uh, euro or more uh, um, to get started. And um, the main thing that has changed, I think, is that we, we went from having these big headsets with wires that needed to run on big computers with a good graphics card to now you have everything um, in one device and uh, it's so easy to use. If we look at augmented reality, it's, uh, it's a little um, less mature technology. Um, I would say 80% of the content you, you, you can see online today about augmented reality is running on smartphones and tablets. Right. So the main concept is that we blend uh, the virtual world and the real world. So I can use my phone and then in, in my space I can get some digital layers on top of, of the space I'm in. Mm -hmm. While in the headset, on, in VR, you're, you're totally immersed in a, in a virtual recorded world right um, there are some devices now that are looking like glasses smart glasses that are like see-through um, kind of glasses where you uh, where you can get these digital layers in your space mm -hmm. uh, hands-free but because we all walk around with these phones and tablets that has mm -hmm. been the ideal medium to 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 make content so one of the most popular AR um, content that most people have uh, seen are these filters on Instagram and Facebook. You can mm -hmm. give yourself a bunny ears or <laughs> tongue, something that tracks to your face, or maybe some have tried to put a piece of furniture in their room with IKEA. Mm -hmm. That's all augmented reality. Right. And very, very uh, cool and, and, and uh, fun ways to use the technology. Right. Okay. So um, then, let, let me ask you. So I think if you if you go out onto the street and then you stop people randomly and you ask them, what <clears throat> what would you what do you need? What what can technology develop for you? I think it's very unlikely that anyone would say, I want these virtual worlds where I can. So what? How can you tell us about what are the challenges that a company like Cora faces when trying to produce a product that for which there is no clear demand for? You're actually trying to bring something that people are not aware that they might actually need? Yes, that's a very good question and has been a, a great exercise for us for, for all the years we've worked with this. But I mean, the way we have approached it is often together with clients or organizations where we do some kind of workshop or brainstorm together. Mm -hmm. what, what kind of work do they do? Where do they have challenges? Uh, are there any ways where these mediums can actually solve a problem? Uh, a good example is within training and simulation, right. because it is a it is a 
virtual simulation of something yeah. uh, from the real world often. So um, many companies have to do safety exercises or some dangerous tasks they need to teach their employees that are maybe hard to practice in real life. Um, good example, we made something for some students who need to learn about electrical safety. Um, if you do the exercise, if you, in real life, if you do it wrong, if you use the wrong tool or do it in the wrong order, the whole thing will explode. Right. <laughs> so, uh, of course, the students don't get to practice this in real life. They only have it in theory. Mm -hmm. They see some videos and they have like a dummy uh, model where they can try some of the things. But in a VR application that, that we made, um, we can simulate the whole thing so it looks like the exact same place, the same machine, the same tools. You need to remember the steps. Uh, we could even program it so if you do a mistake, you get uh, notice or you explode. Um, but the main point is that you can you can train it as many times as you want in the virtual world without with, with it all being safe. Uh, then there are other things to it that, that they could uh, actually train a lot of people even across offices uh, because it's it's all in a headset mm -hmm. um, there are many um, ways where where when we just have sit down and have a talk with with uh, with like a client they they discover that there are actually many use cases for this even though it's not clear from the beginning that it makes sense for them because uh, many people think of VR as a gaming device mm -hmm. and it it is and it was in the beginning mostly gaming but um there are so many uh, relevant cases for simulating something or practicing something or communicating something right um yeah okay so we've seen um i think for, for many years vr has has been has not really been a mainstream technology and then we've seen with the acquisition of uh, o Oculus by Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg saying, yeah, we need to push this further, further into the consumer market. We've seen an increased level of adoption. In your experience, what has been the, the, has been the main driver for getting people more keen on to trying the technology and to adopt it? Yeah, so um, definitely the hardware part, uh, Facebook, uh, HTC, the, some of the big drivers that have made it possible to to uh, to lower the prices but also make the devices more uh, handy mm. has definitely changed a lot for us um, so now we can go and pitch a project or an idea to a client without having the hardware being a, a, a barrier because it's right. it's it's not that expensive it's it's quite easy to use there are even cases where it, it makes more sense for them to send some headsets out to, to, to staff instead of flying people around the globe to right. train some uh, drill. Um, so uh, I definitely think we are very dependent on the hardware and uh, as the hardware develops, we also develop the ways we can create simulations, create these virtual environments. And um, yeah, I think uh, our, uh, our creativity, our ideas have been there from the start. I mean, we've had so many dreams of what we could make in VR, but the technology is is uh, is sometimes um, uh, limiting us to what we can do. Right. So, um, in, what would you say then are challenges for broad consumer market <coughs> adoption of of the technology? 
Yeah, so uh, definitely a big barrier for us is that people do not have the devices at home. Hmm. I mean, on the at least when we talk virtual reality, when we talk augmented reality, we have succeeded in making some applications that you can download on your smartphone through an app store. Hmm. Often those are minor pro, uh, marketing projects or some education projects for schools where you can download something on your phone and uh, get get a digital layer on a on some manual or mm -hmm. explanation but in terms of vr the the main uh, barrier is that people do not have the headsets at home yet mm -hmm. i know that uh, people like mark zuckerberg and meta are pushing that they want uh, i think it was one billion one headsets billion, yeah. in 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 the world uh, within the next uh, few years um, and of course uh, price is one thing but also handy handiness of the headset mm. will definitely make it more and more common i mean if we if we really look into what we believe in will happen in the future is that we will move more away from from screens like smartphones tablets and have the way we use the internet uh, as more of a spatial place um, I, I understand that people don't want to walk around with like a big chunky headset, <laughs> right. but as technology evolves, uh, 5G, cloud streaming, making the headset smaller so we don't need a computer in the headset, but maybe in a cloud, stuff like that will definitely revolutionize the, the idea of having a device um, that maybe will look more like a, a normal pair of glasses at some point. Um, I think the first steps you'll see in the coming years is a smart glass that's connected to your phone. Like you have a smart watch. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just a, 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 an extension of your phone. But imagine all the things you sit and do on your phone right yeah. now and all the, having it in your, in your sight can both be super useful but also a bit scary right now because right. we're not used to the idea. But the main, um, and that's talking into the whole metaverse talk as well, that the main perspective we have for the future is that the internet will become a physical virtual space that you walk around in and, and, and interact with instead of something you click on a screen. So you could say a, a good note I like to use is that the, the, the gap or the line between the digital world and the physical world will be more blurred. It'll be harder to, to, uh, to uh, separate those two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because uh, all the digital elements we use in our, in our everyday life on our smartphones, well, why why can't we have them like in in our, in our world, in our vision? So so in your in your estimation, how many years before we can ditch <coughs> our phones altogether? Uh, I think uh, within the next ten years. Really? Uh, maybe wow. before. Will some people do it? But but um, yes, uh, we are not the. Uh, um, we see so many limitations in using these uh, tablets and screens right mm -hmm. now that, that um, depending on, I mean, at least here in, the Nor in Denmark right now, we're already uh, running some 5G experiments many places. Um, I think that would be a main driver that you can have the, the connection that, uh, and speed uh, mm -hmm. that you need. Um, and um, I mean, the first... Uh, in the next couple of years, you'll see some some smart glasses that still needs to run on a phone. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think uh, five, ten years, then we wow. will 
drop the phone. Well, that's exciting. I think that a lot of people are actually looking forward to being able to ditch their device, right? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, of course, this is just the estimations from, but, but if people who work in our industry are looking in that direction, the yeah. same way as you initially looked at, at using iPods and, and yeah, using the internet in, in general. Yeah. Um, so it'll become a, a more common thing to, to have a pair of glasses at home or okay. maybe even in your pocket. Wow. Okay, so um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the metaverse. So you mentioned that the metaverse is also bringing a lot of attention to this technology. Um, I guess the first question, is the metaverse and virtual reality like the same thing or how, what's the relationship between the technology and the metaverse as the concept? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, there are a lot of definitions of what a metaverse includes and what should be in it. And I would say a big part of it from, if you look at science fiction, is that it, it is uh, using some kind of a virtual reality mm -hmm. or a virtual world that you either access through a computer or a VR headset. Um, I mean, it's not so much different from people who play uh, big uh, computer games and use a lot of time in there and build up a character and kind of have friends and, mm -hmm. and like spend a lot of time in a virtual universe. Now we're just uh, in, a, in a time where technology make it possible for us to make it more immersive. So I would say uh, using a VR headset uh, just makes it possible for you to actually feel that you walk around in this environment, mm -hmm. feel that you are talking to your friends. Um, there are platforms now where you can be multiple people in uh, each of your own headsets and you can look at each other as these avatars that you can design yourself. You can even, there are even applications where you can use a photo of yourself so it looks like yourself. Mm -hmm. Still a little uh, creepy because it's, <laughs> a, it's a digital clone of yourself, but so we could have a conversation um, across uh, any place in the world if we're just connected to the internet. Um, we could meet, uh, uh, dive underneath water, we could sit in a meeting room, we could play a game together. Mm -hmm. There are many, many opportunities uh, already on the market for, for taking some of the same concepts from computer gaming into real virtual spaces. Um, right. But I mean, the, the, the main, uh, the reason why we need uh, VR in this manner, I think, is because for us to experience this metaverse or this virtual space mm -hmm. um, or virtual spaces, we need some kind of lens to look into this digital world. And, mm -hmm. and right now that's the VR headset. Right. It could become more in our actual space in the future through, through uh, maybe augmented reality. Okay, so um, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about, uh, I'm keen to, to explore the industries and, and the uptake you've seen from different industries of this technology. Because um, so we're, we're based mostly on uh, around what's happening in financial services and in fintech specifically. Um, what's been your experience uh, as, a, as a cross industry service provider? Have you noticed a difference between the, the the keenness from these different industries to adopt the technology or at least to, to play with it? And, and how does financial services play into that? Yeah, so definitely uh, there are some industries that are more uh, uh, obvious. Uh, relevant uh, to adapt this technology than others. Uh, as I said before, uh, marketing and branding can be for, for any kind of, uh, of, uh, of organization and training and simulation is another thing. Um, 
we do a lot within uh, the healthcare sector, uh, museums and culture, and we also even do art, where we collaborate with artists. But in terms of, if you look at financial sector, um, the cases we have uh, worked with in, in the past six years uh, has been not many, but at least some that have used it in a creative way. Um, for example, for explaining complex uh, concepts mm -hmm. uh, through their, their communications to clients or at events, uh, um, giving people an experience. Um, an example is an insurance company that want to explain the importance of uh, having an insurance uh, if your house is getting flooded. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can explain that in a commercial uh, video or a brochure, but why not take people in a virtual flooding experience <laughs> of your own house, like a scary and uh, really uh, uh, dramatic experience that, that that leaves you after a few minutes trying this in VR with the feeling of, wow, I, uh, uh, I should definitely address this. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's the whole point with, with VR versus other mediums is you remember this as an experience, as something you actually tried. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can, you can distinguish that it's not reality, but if you read something, your brain remembers remember it in another way than if you actually experience something. Yeah. That's something that's a lot of research on as well, how we uh, react to virtual reality, um, both the way we move our bodies in the moment, but also the way we experience something and, and it gives you a, yeah, a, a, a realistic feeling. Right. Um, for, in terms of banks and fina financial services, uh, the few cases we've worked on has been primarily explaining uh, uh, complex uh, concepts to, uh, to their clients, either through some kind of creative experience. Uh, we had one with a cybersecurity case where explaining someone how a cyber attack actually affects a lot of uh, people in your organization and how important it is to secure your organization in that manner. Also in terms of your financial uh, services that uh, that we can visualize in a, in a augmented reality experience where you walk inside a data network uh, and, and um, I would say the cases uh, in that sector has been more uh, towards um, what do you say, communication and explaining uh, complex concepts. And now we see a more uh, need for, for like internal training of staff or uh, giving them uh, uh, ways to collaborate um, abroad or virtually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That are also uh, um, some cases I've seen at home where, where banks are actually developing or buying into some of these platforms where they can meet in virtual reality, mm -hmm. have meetings, uh, draw on a board, have presentations, uh, have direct translations if it's for clients in, in, in other countries. And um, so not directly, uh, uh, what do you say, impacting their systems or, or, or services, but, but more as tools to all the other parts of their business. All right. So, um I want to be a bit provocative here. So, sure. 
it seems like virtual reality is creating this alternative, <clears throat> alternative parallel reality, right? Perhaps where there's a lot more possibility to engage or see worlds that you possibly wouldn't be able to see before, to travel, to meet physically even. But um, the, the question I have is, what's wrong with actual reality? Why, why do we need a, an alternative one? I mean, it's a good question. I would say we should not forget the uh, real reality and and the, we've all uh, seen the dystopian uh, cases like uh, Black Mirror on Netflix yeah. and, and so so to speak. And, and I understand why people are skeptic into especially uh, organizations like Meta pushing everyone into, uh, yeah, in future we will all meet virtually. We, mm -hmm. we will have... Uh, if parties uh, virtual we will have social gatherings virtual and and we don't even need to to meet up physically i don't see that as something people would like uh, i mean what i what we at core at least like to do is to look at where can this technology help solve something that is hard to do in real life right. for example um do some yeah train something that is um dangerous or we do a lot of work within um, this uh, psychiatry, actually. Uh, people who have mental disorders, who are social, uh, who, are, who have anxiety for social situations or for certain uh, elements like flying a plane, all of that we can, we can, we can make videos, we can make simulations that, that feel, that gives you the feeling that you are actually uh, doing that. And, and, and by that you can train it in VR. That's something that actually helps people. Um, I don't see a big market in the future for, for uh, what do you say, uh, replacing too much of our mm. physical uh, doings uh, in a virtual manner. But uh, of right. course, right now that's a big discussion and because it is possible to do a lot of stuff there now uh, in these virtual worlds that you could also do uh, physically. All right, so then uh, tell me a little bit about what does core see would be the, the, the hottest thing to focus on in the next, let's say in the next five years when it comes to the creation of, of activities or experiences within the virtual spaces and specifically with the, within the meta metaverse. Yeah, so I think um, if, we, if we look at the more day-to-day use of the metaverse or these technologies like VR and AR, I think it will be much, uh, the, the most useful cases we'll see popping up here in the coming years are within education. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing tool, an amazing way to, to teach students or people or employees in, uh, in ways that are hard to do other way, uh, otherwise. Um, I mean, if I were to uh, teach you how the internal organs in the human body are connected, mm -hmm. I could take you through a, a, a simulation where we actually go inside the body and run through the bloodstreams and imagine doing that for 20 kids in a, in a, in a virtual school. Right. I mean, that those opportunities are just uh, not possible in the same way in, in the physical world. Um, but of course, uh, yeah, education will be a big thing. Healthcare is already a big thing. I've mentioned a few examples, uh, but 
there's just so many ways that that we see uh, creative uh, um, projects that 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 solve a problem that we didn't even know exist uh, yeah. before. Um, for example, kids that are there's a lot of people getting vaccinated these days, and um, we created a tool a few years ago where especially kids that are afraid of needles. It's a very simple concept. They they put on a VR headset, they play a game that is uh, designed for the for the for the situation where they just sit still and play a game and are very focused and then they get the IV or vaccination without even noticing the, the needle because often it's a it's a it's the situation that scares them and right. uh, I know that adults also could need that and and now we're even talking like in general as a distraction tool in the in the healthcare industry um, we even work with people who have schizophrenia uh, part of a research project where, where you, uh, if you hear voices, mm -hmm. um, you can create an avatar that you can have a conversation with in VR, where the therapist takes uh, the role of your avatar and you are in a VR headset and you communicate with this voice that you're hearing. Uh, it's very complex and I'm not an expert in, 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 in the medical part, but, but the, using a virtual simulation to to, uh, to help people with these kinds of disorders are, are just things we couldn't even imagine uh, five years ago. So I think we'll see very groundbreaking, innovative solutions in healthcare. We'll see a lot within what we call edtech uh, education. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, the, the more gimmicky part, like uh, marketing projects, uh, uh, using it in fun ways, in campaigns, uh, uh, using it for entertainment and gaming will still also drive a lot this market right. but are not the, the, the things that I think we we work that much with okay so uh, I'm, I just want to bring here maybe a, a use case and get your opinion on whether you think that yes. uh, VR could be a the technology that could help it within financial services one of the main problems that has not yet been fully addressed is the issue of financial literacy and this has to do with the fact that most of us don't really know how to handle our finances. We know very little about compound interest and about investments and this sort of thing. In your experience, do you think that VR could be used or applied to help people better understand, or educate people in, in finan financial literacy? Yeah, it's an interesting topic. We, we've talked with banks before uh, here in Denmark that are, that are constantly trying to communicate to their clients how to be better at at the, or at least more aware of their finances. Mm -hmm. um, and again, we, we look at this medium as how can we give people an experience of something? And uh, that could be that you go through, uh, you put yourself in someone else's p situation, someone who is in deep depth, or uh, you go through different life stages and see what could be a potential life for you if you, uh, if you started saving up for your pension now, or, I mean, all these things that are super boring to, to listen to if you're at a meeting or read it in a brochure, at least for a guy like me, then having that as a visual experience that, that leaves a, a feeling in, inside of me could, could actually help trigger that. Right. Um, we, um, we made a fun, um, we made a few fun uh, campaigns where you, again, you put someone in someone else's position um, some there are some parents who had to experience uh, what it's like to be a child 
and uh, how often ch children do stupid uh, things and get hurt. And um, uh, doing that in VR, it gave the, the parents a sense of, oh my God, I need to take better care of my child because they always uh, run down the stairs or do things that they can, so they can get hurt. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing was built up around an insurance and bank uh, campaign that um, that wanted parents to be aware that they should have good insurance for their their young ones. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you could use some of the same concepts in, in in the financial sector as well. Yeah. It could also be. I mean, I've often thought about this whole uh, uh, discussion of, of cryptocurrency or more complex new uh, topics that people might not understand and and, mm. and it's hard to can be hard to understand if you just read about it uh, you could watch a video where there's some infographics that gives you a little more understanding of it but but you could maybe also use this medium to to directly explain it in a way that that makes sense to people through some visual experience yeah um, okay so uh, just to close yeah Clearly, what you're talking to us about is, is, is very exciting, and, and of course, I, I think that your your passion for the for the team comes comes through as, as we as we talk to you. Um, as this technology, uh, as the access technologies to the metaverse, as, as the hardware and the software becomes more a mainstream sort of thing, what are you afraid of? I think my main concern is that when we talk about the metaverse or the future of the internet, what we like to call it, the spatial internet yeah. even, it's not only reliant on, on VR or on virtual visual applications. There will also be things like artificial intelligence, internet of things. So imagine a, a future where you have a pair of glasses that gives you visual um, digital layers, but all this data, it comes from somewhere. It comes from sensors in society. Uh, it comes from an AI that curates all this data for you because there's so much that you only need to know uh, what you need to know in this exact moment. Um, so you're really getting dependent on these uh, uh, artificial sensors and, and assistance. Uh, some people already start to use Siri and Alexa for many things, but in the future it will be much more, it will be a built-in thing of this future internet that I'm gonna say like, uh, hey uh, Google, uh, help me fix this car. And it will find the information, the assistant will tell you what's wrong with the car and you will get an AR overlay uh, on some instructions, for example, on how to fix the car. That's that's like a future example of how this will work. But um, as many people, I'm quite afraid of, uh, uh, I can be quite afraid of the f future possibilities of an of an AI that, that helps you with very personal stuff and um, are with you every day. And what about all the privacy that we're already discussing in many of these platforms? Mm -hmm. If you have a pair of glasses with cameras, will will it where will all this data be be uh, be stored? And so, from that perspective, I'm I'm, I'm really happy that uh, right now we're just focusing on one technology uh, or, or VR and AR at least the yeah. visual part. I think some of the fundamentals behind all that to make it something useful will be much more complex uh, stuff like AI and mm. and sensors uh, out there. 
um, that will need a lot of regulation and a lot of um, um, ethics uh, to 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 actually work for 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 people without exploiting uh, us. Uh, right. And yeah, um, one big thing is also that drivers like uh, Meta, Facebook. Um, are one, some of the ones who are making all this possible and driving the market, but also at the end, uh, making us all uh, have to use their their services and comply with their uh, guidelines or what you say, uh, terms. Yeah, community uh, terms, yeah. Right now, the VR market is driven by Oculus, by Meta, or if you don't want to use them, you can use uh, Pico in that's a Chinese brand that we also use, mm-hmm. but uh, as far as I now know now, they are owned by ByteDance that are TikTok uh, mm-hmm. platform. So mm-hmm. Facebook <laughs> or TikTok is your choice. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, at the end, we're really not that much in control of, uh, of who's driving this, this mm-hmm. part. So a little bit worried about that. Right. All right. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much. That has been really interesting hearing hearing you talk about this. And uh, well, well, thanks so much for having us here. Yeah. Thanks for having me.